0: Well, thank you and good morning. You have chosen to, sur- to study at a great and well-respected school, and I'm thrilled to be here with you this morning. wonder if you would uh, turn your Bibles, if you have them, to Mark chapter 12. I'd like for us to read starting with verse 13 and down through verse 17, Mark 12, 13 through 17. And if you would, would you please stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the Word of our God? The Word of God says through Mark. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. So is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But... Knowing their hypocrisy, Jesus said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius, and let me look at it. And he brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. May God bless his word to us today. You may be seated. One of the most often posed questions that I get uh, everywhere right now is from Christians and non-Christians who will say 2024 is another election year. And people are tensed up and they start to think about, all of the divisions that they have seen. Some of them have family text threads that have fallen apart. Some of them have uh, workplaces that are at odds with one another. Some of them are in churches that are divided and tense. And everyone is saying, here we go with yet another one and we haven't yet recovered from the last two. So, can you tell us how to get through 2024 and my answer is no and the reason for that is because we actually don't know what is out in front of us we we know what we have experienced in the past but if four years ago at this time we had said what will the 2020 election year be like no one would have even thought about a microscopic virus that would bring the entire world to its knees. There are all kinds of questions that would not even have appeared to us. So I can't prepare you for 2024 America. What I can do is to ask you to think about what kind of a person you will be in 2024 America, and 2034, America, and 2064, America. And in order to do that, I think we should look at this passage that we just read, which has this subtext here of this conflict of authorities going on. You you have this issue of everything that seems to be stable here is going apart. Jesus says of the temple that seems to stand there forever, not one stone will be left on another here. And in this place, this this sense of stability coming apart and everything that's coming apart, Jesus is able to put together again, winds and waves, so forth. Jesus here is teaching about the stone that the builders rejected will become The cornerstone. And in the midst of this, what we have are a group of people who want to, Mark says, catch him in his words. And so they come and talk to him. And one of the things that you will notice is that Jesus always sees through this and shows us something else. So, a couple things I want us to notice today. First is notice how Christ upends artificial controversy. If you think about it right now, think of how many of the divisions and fights that we often have in a country, in a church, in a family, in a friendship, actually are about entirely different things. There are online sorts of wars that go on back and forth between people that really aren't about those issues at all. Instead, they're about who are the good people and who are the bad people. And the good people are entirely good and the bad people are entirely evil and are to be destroyed. You have these artificial controversies that come up. Jesus sees this right here he knows that there actually is a subtext. Because what you have happening here are the religious leaders who are coming together with the political establishment there and they are finding a kind of unity that they would never ordinarily have. A unity of people who think that Rome should occupy the land and people who think that Rome should be driven out but they're unified here by hating the same people. And often what you will find in your life going forward is that there is a kind of unity that is really easy to bring about simply by identifying a common enemy. You can do that in a corporate break room you can do that in a uh, in an argument going on on social media you can do that in any number of ways but the text says here that they wanted to trap him in his talk it's artificial they want to trap him and so one of the things that Jesus does is to see that One of the really challenging things for you, going into a world like this, is that there are all kinds of interests that would like to keep you fearful and angry. Because if you're fearful and angry, you'll be more likely to linger over content. If you're fearful and angry, you'll be more likely to share content. If you're fearful and angry, you're more likely to divide up into warring tribes. And there are many people who love to see that in any context. And yet, Jesus here, knowing what they're doing, oh, teacher, we know that you're, you're one of the good guys, you're not going to do anything just because people want you to, so tell us this, he knows that this is manipulation. He sees that this is actually an artificial controversy, and then notice what he does next. He upends tribal communities. Mark says in 12.12, they feared the people, and says in 11.32, Jesus knew they feared the people. And he knew that what they were doing is to try to put him in a situation where he had to choose one of the existing warring tribes. So that if Jesus were to say to this question, pay your taxes to Caesar, then they could have said, see, he's going against God. Because he's saying that the throne of David, that God said should belong to the people of God, should be operated by a pagan puppet government. And if he had said, don't pay your taxes to Caesar, they would have been able to say, see, he's leading a rebellion against Caesar, he ought to be dealt with. Either a collaborator with Rome or a rebel against Caesar. Rome, the debate is actually what the debate almost always is. Are you one of us or not? Are you on our side? And in a time when tribal communities develop, one of the ways that they want to keep your loyalty, no matter who they are, is to have you to believe and to repeat increasingly ridiculous things to prove your loyalty. I'm really one of us, and that means I am really over and against them. These, These people are trying to get Jesus to look ridiculous. They're trying to get Jesus to look disloyal. And part of that is because as human beings and as fallen human beings, one of the things that we long for is the protection of a tribe. And if you're ever thrown out of a tribe, in a workplace, or in a friendship, or in a family, or in a church, or in a community, it feels like an existential threat, it Feels like your entire life is over, because it feels like as long as you're part of that group, that you're protected. But the reason for that is because God actually did mean for us to be members of a body. He did mean for us to be embedded in a community. And that's why He gave to us the church when that is gone then we try to find something to fill that. I've gotta have some way of saying, here's who I am and here's who my people are and so we can do that with politics, we can do that with religion, we can do that with culture wars, we can do that with almost any single thing and yet Jesus refuses to do it. Are you with them or are you with us? Jesus says, hand me a coin. And then notice third what he does. He upends these temporal priorities. When, when Jesus says, whose likeness and whose image is on this coin, that is not like holding up an American coin and saying, who is this? It's George Washington. It's not like that at all. It is a coin that shows Caesar who claims to be the son of a God who wants not just the complete obedience but the worship of the people around him. He is claiming something. People are stepping back and they're saying, what's he going to do? Because if he says that this coin goes to Caesar, he's not just saying that he's politically disloyal he is talking about something idolatrous. This is a graven image of someone who claims to be a god. Here in occupied territory. And yet Jesus here refuses to go into that argument. He refuses to choose between those loyalties. And instead he says, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and render to God the things that are God's. A lot of times when we read this, we assume that what Jesus is saying is, okay, you've got these priorities to the government and these priorities to God and don't get those mixed up. And there's, there's some of that that's included in there. But that's not what this is about. Jesus instead is decentering their priority altogether. For them, the most, the the weightiest thing in the room is that coin. And Jesus takes it and looks at it and says, Who's on here? Okay, we'll give it back to him. He comes in and takes what seems immediate and says, You need to start thinking beyond the next five minutes, or the next five years, and start thinking in terms of trillions and trillions and trillions of years in eternity. He stops and he says, seek first the kingdom of God. He is showing how these priorities are off kilter. And one of the things that you're going to notice, not just in the year coming up, but in the next 25 years, the next 50 years of your lives, you're going to notice that you can often find where your idolatries and where your vulnerabilities to idolatry are by what makes you angry, by what raises your blood pressure, by what causes you to clench your teeth, You can tell where those priorities are, and yet one of the things that God has given to his people is a kind of confidence in the kingdom of God that brings with it a certain kind of tranquility. Jesus, when he took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi, we often don't think about exactly what was going on there when Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. There was an archeological dig, Caesarea Philippi in 2020. One of the things they found was an old uh, house of worship there and underneath that house of worship, they found another house of worship, an altar to the god Pan. Now if you don't know who Pan is, think of the picture that most people have of the devil. Or think of uh, Mr. Tumnus in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That's what Pan looked like. He was a god of uh, unbridled excess. He was the god of sexual excess and of, uh, of every other kind of excess. This was a wild god of nature. He had a place of central worship and adoration there at Caesarea Philippi in a place that was named after Caesar. So you had Jesus standing in a place that represented all of what could go wrong morally and all that was dangerous politically. And Jesus simply said, who do you say that I am? I will build my church. The name of that place and the face on this coin is a Caesar who had the kind of power that said, I can ultimately kill you. The power is, if you do not honor me, then I can have you crucified. And if you just go up and down... Uh, the, the roads, you can see the lines of those crosses, every single one of them saying, you don't want to get on the wrong side of Caesar. And yet Jesus here is completely tranquil in the face of Caesar, completely tranquil in the face of the crowds, and completely devoted to what he was devoted to all the time, which is the expression of the kingdom of God that is so real that when he would mention it, he would say the Son of Man is going to be crucified. Sounds like defeat. In order to upend all of that. We don't have any of Caesar's coins anymore, but when we recite the Apostles' Creed, what do we say? He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. We're using the name of a two bit political hack who thought that he had solved a problem with his political power, and the only reason he is remembered, the only reason his name is said is because the man that he had crucified was raised from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father and is drawing all things together under his feet. If you have that understanding of what it means to be in Christ, then you're not going to be emotionally enslaved to all of the other questions that are going to be asked of you. You're not going to be emotionally enslaved in fitting 100% into some tribe or movement all the time. You're going to see that the worst thing that anybody can do to you is crucify you under the curse of the law and that has already happened. You have survived that. Because you were crucified with Christ and you are raised with Christ and therefore you have all of the confidence of the kingdom of God that he gives. And so it frees you from those things. So you're able to then, when people suggest that the most important questions and controversies are those being argued about on TikTok, to say, no, actually, the most important arguments and controversies are those we're not talking about at all. Because these are the things that we have already adapted ourselves to, or the things that are out in front of us that we don't even see coming. So when you're in that moment of fear, and you're in that moment of anger, and you're in that Moment of a call to coerced conformity by any group, any power, any principality, the answer is to hand back the coin. The answer is to realize who you are. The answer is to see that ultimately your future is good news in Christ, which means that Caesar can't buy you with a coin and he can't stop you with a cross. That's what we need to know going into 2024 and every other time. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the men and women in this room. I thank you for the way that you're preparing them right now, the way you're using them right now. And Lord, I pray that you would give to them An understanding and a sense as they look around uh, the, the world around them, as they look around the unbelievers who are all around them, that there is not a power over them. That even the person who hates them the most right now because they're Christians may be a future brother or sister in Christ. And, in fact, may be a leader of the church and the gospel in the future, just as you have done so many times before. And so, Lord, give us wisdom. Give us a sense of who we are in Christ. Give us a loyalty to the church that transcends place and time and age. And, Lord, help us to know the difference between a coin and a cross.